You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. This is Ben, and this week's movie is not Wolverine-themed. Thank God. <laughs> I just wanted to get that up front to encourage listeners to not give up on us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, they didn't give up on that franchise. They let them make another one. I mean, People that's true. see it, so... I guess fans are forgiving when it comes to Hugh Jackman, I guess. I just feel like this is kind of drifted out of the realm of being like a movie film podcast into a cruel torture social experiment. I would possibly agree with that. It has not been the best recently. There's been some real rough stuff. Well, let's Uh, be clear. The podcast has been tip-top shape the whole time. Oh, yeah, the, the podcast is oh, great. I mean, come on. It's the events leading up to the podcast. <laughs> the waterboarding, if you will, before the interrogation. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's on our poster, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not Wait, really I'm sure. sorry. Did you see the waterboarding before the interrogation? You made it sound yeah. like an appetizer. or like. <laughs> yeah, well, they weaken you, and then they interrogate you, and they're like, you want to get waterboarded again? And you're like, you know what? I'll tell you where those troops were. It's just the way you say it makes it seem like that's the good part up until the interrogation. No, the interrogation is supposed to be the good part. I, I don't think I set this up right. <laughs> the waterboarding is X-Men Origins. Right, yes. Uh, Which there is a possibility they do use it like Gitmo as like a form of punishment. Mm-hmm. I, I believe there's a, a shot of, uh, of, of, of like a cell with a lot of like, you know, human like detritus around and there was just like a, a shot in the background of of, of that that on a tv with the, running the blu-ray special edition oh yeah yeah like <laughs> extended cut yeah you know the one that's illegal in like 10 states it's got like a featurette about how awesome they made deadpool <laughs> and they're like "Ooh, we should not have filmed that before the movie came out because <laughs> oh. you know somewhere there is like all this stuff where they're gonna be like deadpool's gonna be so hot we have to have tons of stuff ready for the DVD release. If, oh, if, God, people hated him. If the X-Men Origins Wolverine, which, by the way, horrible title, we didn't call it up in the episode, but it feels like they tried to jam three movies in, a, an origin story, an X-Men movie, and a Wolverine movie all at once. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like X-Men Origins, and then mostly about Wolverine. But we'll also explain Scott Summers. And we'll get a glimpse at random other characters. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> A grab bag of turds. <laughs> yeah, that was now that was definitely on the poster. If I'm not oh mistaken. yeah, X Men Origins, a grab bag of turds. <laughs> it was like Roger Ebert's name under it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also the the creepiest like version of uh, Jean Luc Picard you will ever see. A man who's looked the same for like 38 years. So I don't know why they felt the need to de-age him. Yeah, it was kind of like they they decided to get the team that made uh, the cutscene from Warcraft One. <laughs> to, to to do their best to do a a, Pat, a Patrick Stewart like like teleported them from the year Warcraft came out with the technology they had and like do your best <laughs> do your best to make what almost looked like the offensive characters of Canadian people in South Park if they were three dimensional <laughs> it just looks like his mouth at any point is going to go all the way to the side and his whole head's going to pop up. But that's enough about talking about a horrible shit film, which we talked about for like an hour. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully, if you guys listened to the podcast, you stayed tuned. There was a little after credits bit that was actually recorded afterwards. We do a little wrap up usually after we stop the show and uh, you know say goodbye to the guests and stuff while it's still recording. Not and to spoil any funny to yeah. not include. And not to spoil anything, but Nick Fury shows up to recruit us 
to work uh, for the Avengers. Not like on the Avengers, but just sort of like in an administrative, you know, role. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's like a real HR thing. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this, but when Nick Fury recruits the Avengers, I mean, we're talking down to HR, he uh, he he just sort of ambushes them in a bar or in their home and says, you're needed for a mission, and then gives them like a stack of paperwork and leaves. Yeah, yeah, and then like we come by and tell them where they need to initial, because there's like a health care, there's, you know, then you've got life insurance, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Uh, also, the the very end of the podcast, if you listen long enough, there's just dead silence and then me saying shh, uh, so that I could capture the sweetness of the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I did not do, and I actually regret that I didn't think to do that. And, and, and side note, don't forget, you can catch us in the Avengers film. Uh, we're in the background at the end of the movie when New York's leveled, and we're just throwing papers in the air and pacing, looking looking really upset. Oh yeah, that was that was like a rough month and a half worth of paperwork, guys. You don't know like when a whole building comes down, that's like a lot of triplicate you got to do. Okay, so they ruined some of Grand Central Station, but not like all of it, right? Yeah, oh. it's not like it's a landmark. Oh god. Um. So for this week, as always, we're giving you a heads up on the movie that we'll be watching for next week with a guest appearance by a returning celebrity guest. A <laughs> not another origin story all-star. Yeah, that's what I meant by celebrity, right. Yeah, they're famous if you've listened to previous episodes. Like, I'm famous. Uh, we're going to be covering, interestingly enough, returning both returning to a franchise and finally heading to a movie that you won't have to hear us bitch about excessively and unendingly for an entire hour and 20 minutes. Uh, we're doing an actually pretty good film. I, I think so, at least. Although yeah, I have a movie that I, I actually really enjoyed it's been a while since i've seen it but i don't think that it's going to be i mean i'm sure parts of it might not have aged well but we'll be doing the the sequel to the successful and somewhat liked by us spider-man movie spider-man 2 mm -hmm. uh, of course spider-man 2 colon eve of destruction uh because they knew it was going to happen when spider-man 3 came out wait is it really called eve of destruction no i, I made that up oh you said it with such authority. You see the way Ben just established dominance on this podcast? I do uh, it wow. every week. Uh, yeah, I fall for it, too. You think I would know. <laughs> so uh, Spider-Man 2 came out in, uh, if you're unaware, it came out in 2004, uh, two years after the original Spider-Man, which came out in 2002. Uh, it, it also preceded a good three years it took to cook together uh, a dog turd in the oven to make Spider-Man 3, which well, somehow, somehow has a 6.2% rating, or wow, not percent, but 6.2 uh, out of 10 rating on IMDb. So who the fuck made that choice? I will say, in Spider-Man 3's defense, it took the extra time because there was a lot of dance choreography for that movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a year, a year of dance training went in. There is at least, if my memory serves, two dance scenes in that movie, like choreographed dance scenes. Not one of them, not choreographed well. The other one choreographed ridiculous. But just keep that in mind. A Spider-Man movie contains two choreographed dance numbers, <laughs> and I believe the movie opens with a Broadway show, which is an odd choice. Yeah. Uh... In terms of Marvel franchise property, we're looking at a a movie that comes after the following onslaught of uh, Daredevil, Hulk, and then the uh, the 2004 Punisher. So this is this is a rough, and I I mean honestly I don't remember this movie being bad. I remember Alfred Molina being a good Doctor Octopus and 
a character that I'd wanted to see in movies. I thought that would be a cool character. I think they did a good job with him. I think, retrospectively, uh, this is a well-respected Spider-Man movie. I think we can definitely agree on that. Same Raimi, Sam Raimi is still on board to direct, which is fantastic. Uh, this won an Oscar, so... For what? <laughs> I actually don't remember, but I... It, uh, over, for, for, kind of... I'm sorry, it won an Oscar for visual effects, so... Okay, no real I thought it was going to be like, editing... Where yeah, like, oh, it, it, they just it, had to pick it, a movie. It was nominated for sound editing, which has got to be the part of the Oscar ceremony where everyone takes a bathroom break. I will say, <laughs> if you ever look at films nominated for sound editing, I feel like they created that category so that like beloved action films could get an Oscar without it being like an actual Oscar. Because if you look, it's like Star Wars. I think was up every year for that category, and it's like, why wasn't it just up for Best Picture? They are great movies. You know, just screw and it. And that is a great movie in retrospect. Like, they're great. They're, they were huge then, too. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. It's very bizarre. But I always feel like that's what that, those categories are there for. Special effects and sound editing are like, they're like, those will be the pity Oscars we give to the movie that grossed, like, $2 billion. Yeah, what was the... I know it made, like, $100 million something on the opening weekend, which is just insane. Even by today's standards, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, actually, the budget for this film is $200 million, yeah. which is a lot of movies, especially even, well, I guess 2004, probably $2 million is probably actually worth less than it is now. Still a big deal. Yeah, still a lot of money. Uh, domestically, it grossed uh, $373 million, but but its gross for the entire world was $783 million, which is a, a huge number by any comic book movie. In fact, it's number eight before inflation on the list of the comic book films we've done. Good God. And if you adjust it for inflation, it goes to number five. So it's it's surprisingly up there. I told Ben that I was kind of shocked that it did as well as it did. You know, I I knew it was a success. I did not realize it was that big of a success. I guess movies, you know, I mean, that's that's a pretty good take for a sequel. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, the movie... Uh... I, yeah, I, the movie was originally based off of uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 50, Spider-Man No More, which has the famous cover where he is uh, – it's it's Peter Parker walking away from a trash can with his um, with his Spider-Man like, like mask dangling out of the lid. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover. Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, if you were to if you were to cite top ten covers, uh, uh, Spider-Man No More is is right up there. It's just him like marching away. I was gonna say it's probably one of the most famous. Oh, absolutely in comics and if you're a spy if you know even a little bit about comics you've more than likely seen that cover somewhere or seen it parodied because there's about 900 like you know i think there's like a, a captain america version that's like it there's tons of i think there's a few dc comics that you know that use that sort of idea which happens a lot in comics if there's like an iconic cover the two companies will mm -hmm. reuse it so yeah you've definitely probably seen some form of it uh, Raimi also stated that he based a lot of the the, the uh, plot of the film and the tone off of Superman 2, a movie we've not covered yet, and I'm really excited to do, uh, mostly because of his themes about uh, a hero giving up his responsibilities. So there's a lot here that I, I was reading about and sort of getting caught up on where this movie falls in the spectrum of comic book movies, because, you know, that's the point of this podcast. And uh, I kind of forgot how much that was sort this of a This podcast theme. has a point? <laughs> All I really remembered from this movie was Doc Ock, uh, the train sequence, and that's about it. So I don't remember a lot about this, you know, Spider-Man giving up stuff. So I'm excited to remind myself about how that works. Uh, 
Um, in researching, I also was was sort of startled to discover the writing credits on this movie. Uh, oh, obviously, uh... well, no, it's it's a mixture of weird and good. So Sam Raimi, obviously director. Uh, it's a weird place for Sam Raimi because directorial wise, he's coming off of uh, uh, the Quick and the Dead, A Simple Plan, and For the Love of the Game, which are not movies that you associate with Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi did for the love of the game. Yeah, right. Exactly. I did not know that. It doesn't feel like Raimi in his hot streak, you know, because before that is Dark Man: Army of Darkness, which of course Dark Man is considered kind of lauded, but before that, Evil Dead Two. Either way, like that's Raimi shit that you know of. So it seems like a weird place for him. We're about like uh, we're about like eight years from some of his best movies. So Spider-Man One was a real turnaround for him in two thousand two. And uh, but 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 uh, writing I would say sort of shocking that I was surprised when they first announced that he was going to be the director. I was too. I kind of had forgotten about Sam Raimi. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I just thought because I was like I was like wait the guy who did Evil Dead because at the time that's all I really knew him from and I was like which is the that's same a thing choice I thought with Peter Jackson getting Lord of the Rings I'm like I'm like I which I guess is actually alive. weirder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's even that seems like a big fucking deal. So here's the weird thing: uh, the writers of Spider-Man 2 include a guy responsible for um, Shanghai Nights. I'm sorry, a duo of writers responsible for Shanghai Nights and Herbie Fully Loaded. Wait, Shanghai Nights is the movie with Jackie Chan in the Wild West, right? Yeah, and it's Uh, the sequel to Shanghai Noon, I think. Uh, Oh, shit, they did make a sequel to that movie. I just fucking got that! Shanghai Nights, Shanghai Noon? Really? God damn it. I just got that. It, It took... 20 years? <laughs> Son of a bitch, it took so long! And not even worth it. It's not worth it! No payoff, guys. When has when is Shanghai Dawn? Uh, or Shanghai... Shanghai... I guess they knew they couldn't get through the three time periods, so they're like, just start at noon. <laughs> Where's uh, Shanghai late afternoon? Um, Shanghai 11sies. <laughs> so these are not... Well, let's see movies that we're, we're, we're coming off of. So that's two two people, although this person did work on Lethal Weapon 4 and a Time Cop TV miniseries. <laughs> Was that supposed to make us think they were good? Because Lethal no. Weapon 4 is when the series sucked. No, exactly. What I mean is like, oh, these, 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 this guy, uh, uh, Mark Millar, uh, uh, Miles Millar, and uh, uh, oh, I forget his name. It doesn't fucking matter. But um, these guys were not writing... I mean, they were writing, like, I guess, money hits, but they weren't writing, like, comic book favorite, like, beloved films. But here's the weird part. They co-wrote this with the help of Alvin Sargent, who's a name that might not come to ring a lot of bells for a lot of people, but he was, like, a massive star in the 70s. I mean, he put out Ordinary People, uh, uh, Julia, uh, Nuts, a number of of, uh, Emmy Award-winning, like, Oscar-winning films, uh, he wrote the story for What About Bob, which is fucking one of my favorite movies. And um, he, he's a, a lot of current directors cite him as like the man that got them into movies. J.J. Uh, Abrams, George Lucas talk about him a lot, but like he was big to them. So that's fucking nuts. Like, I don't know where the hell he comes from. He comes out of the blue. He hasn't written anything or worked on anything since like the mid 90s. And he just shows up to work on Spider-Man 2. Not one, just two. Maybe he knew Sam Raimi. I have no idea, but I Maybe know that he just loves Spider-Man. Yeah, I know that he's huge to a ton of people, uh, and and yeah, he just shows shows up and works on this weird comic book franchise. It's just bizarre to me. It's just really bizarre. 
Although I will say, after hearing, you know, who it was in the writing, that does explain some of the... There's actually, like, some somewhat not heady, but, like, there's actually some nuance into, like, the storytelling. Like, way more than in the first one, where it's all just straight up, you know, the Green Goblin's a bad guy because he's crazy because of a gas. Like, there's, like, a whole thing going on where, like, you know, Dr. Octopus is insane for... I guess technically not his fault either. The arms are making him crazy. But he has, there's, yeah, all right, well, you know what we'll talk about next week. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of informed commentary you get here. Well, I started to realize, I was like, you know what, I haven't seen this movie in so long. Maybe I shouldn't make these statements, because maybe I'll watch it and be like, oh, man, I'm a real idiot. <laughs> I'm a real fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'm a real dum-dum. You have to burn SoundCloud servers so this never gets out. <laughs> you have that capability? I mean... I mean... Maybe. Let's, I, let's not test it, because this is a recording, and the NSA is definitely listening. Oh, I mean, absolutely. If there's one thing they listen to, <laughs> it's terrorist chatter and not another origin story. They love it. They so, can't get enough, guys. Uh, so, obviously, this is many episodes, so we will wrap it up shortly. But uh, another thing I wanted to point out that I thought was funny, I was reading through some interviews, and um, Sam Raimi post this movie was just sort of recalling amusing things. And he said that during the... Uh, during the, the pre-production phase when they were hiring actors, uh, 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 Tobey Maguire's, what I would call the most enterprising agent in all of Hollywood, uh, tried to negotiate to give Toby uh, 10% of uh, the gross as his pay, as opposed to like a flat rate. 10% of the gross for Tobey Maguire? Yeah. That's Although I think that's what Jack Nicholson got for Batman. I think he got some sort of back-end deal, but he's also Jack Nicholson. Right. So we're talking 10% of the gross is like, what, like $380 million? Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be doing bad for himself. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> why, why would anyone say yes to that? <laughs> I, I do know that I think it was for Avengers. Robert Downey Jr., I think, got like 5%, and he ended up being paid over like $100 million for that movie. Jesus Christ. That's because of the points doing. he got on the on the back end, that's, which is like crazy. I think it was like the highest amount an actor had ever been paid for a film at that time. Listen, if you take anything away from this podcast, it's take the points on the back end. Oh, always <laughs> ask for points, guys. It's a fool's errand not to ask for them. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I get points in the back end for this. Uh, yeah, which unfortunately is always in the negative, so Ben just has to send me like 20 bucks once a month. It's yeah, kind of sad, but... Yeah, I owe a lot of money. I have a terrible agent. I need to fire him. Yeah, you really do. Your wife's been calling and complaining. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, though, before this mini-episode wraps up, have you seen the most recent controversy about the new Spider-Man? I have not, no. Uh, they announced casting of a female character in the movie... And I don't remember the actress's name, which is my fault. She is, I think, actually from a Disney TV show, like a teen actor from a Disney TV show. She's been cast to play Mary Jane. The outrage is this actress is African-American. And, of course, people are offended that a non-existent comic book character who's not real has been changed race. Uh, People are quite angry. I, I, there's been like one or two like reasonable conceits I've seen where I'm like, I can kind of see that person's point of view. But then on the other hand, I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. I, I, I would be like, if they were like, it doesn't really work for, like, if they took Spider-Man, the Peter Parker Spider-Man, and they were like, well, now he's, you know, Latino. I'd be like, that's a weird choice. Like, I get it, but that just seems odd. 
Because then I'd be like, why wouldn't you just make a movie about Miles Morales, which everybody would rather see anyways? I have such an interesting take on this kind of thing, because I've, I've heard people, I, I have had friends who, 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 who were sort of irked, not in like a really like overt, like, I want to go comment on YouTube videos kind of way, but just kind of like, this is a weird choice in my opinion. Um, when like uh, Nick Fury was rewritten to be sort of, uh, to look like Samuel L. Jackson, basically. <laughs> to look yeah, like when they, they took the... Ultimates version, yeah, of Fury, which was actually based on Samuel Jackson, the artist. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, like it's clear. I just threw Samuel Jackson with an yeah. iPad. Uh, uh, I I remember reading that Ultimates comic and not once thinking that was a problem. Like it's never bugged me, and I don't mean in a way where I'm like, oh, look at me, I don't see race. I mean, just that it never felt to me like an influential part of the character that they're of a particular. The thing that bothers me, when I don't know, I don't do get it, it, is not like the but like. They replaced him, which this would have annoyed me if it was a white guy that was in the movie, and they, they replaced Nick Fury in the main Marvel Universe with the Ultimates Nick Fury. And I was like, why? That is weird. Yeah. I, that's what – and that's, I was like, that's that has nothing to do with him being black. Yeah, it's just I, that I, they were like, uh, Nick Fury slept with a black woman at some point in time and had Nick Fury Jr., and that's from the Ultimates Universe, and he f- moved into the – and I was just like – it was so confusing. I was like – is this really necessary? Comics are hard enough to follow as it yeah. is. Let's not retcon them based on casting choices. Yeah, that's and they've they've done that a couple times where I'm like, what a bizarre like choice to just do that. But like, you know, I there was people who were upset when they changed uh Captain Marvel or Miss Marvel, I guess, and they gave it to the girl who's supposed to be like Muslim. Yeah, and I was she's, like she's from Pakistan, like she's Pakistani or uh Yeah, and she's I believe she's I believe in the comic she is Muslim. I don't know. I never, I never. I only read the first one, and I don't think it really. Came. Yeah, I don't know if they bring it up, and I don't know how you would. Yeah. Know how that would work with. Either way, like. Either way, my point is, I was surprised people were like, "Why she got to be, you know, Pakistani?" And I'm like, "Why does she have to be any race? Just who cares?" Let's like, I don't. One, they didn't kill Carol Danvers. She's still, you know, what I mean, I just get, I don't understand why people get like so upset over that stuff. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a new character. One thing that bothers me is is, is sh- really bonkers shit will happen with his characters all the time. They'll kill Captain America yeah, and replace it with just like a, a, a person. I don't, even, I don't even fucking remember who. I got so exhausted with... with, with well, the, it depends. The very first time they killed... Right, exactly. It was re- the time he retired, he was placed, replaced by U.S. agent. Then when he was killed in Civil War, he was replaced by Bucky Barnes because Bucky asleep. didn't want people to know he was dead, so he assumed the mantle of Captain America. I've fallen asleep. That's the thing is they'll do this kind of shit. They'll replace characters. They'll turn them into alien clones of themselves. They'll do all this stuff, and, I mean, you'll get, like, a rumbling of, of fans who just want to complain about something, and then they, they, they change the – they tweak the race of a character that people have forgotten about. And, like and the, the thing that I think is bizarre is, like, I'm, a, I'm like, crazy. If Marvel just came out tomorrow and was like, hey, by the way, from now on in the comics, Mary Jane is African-American, I'd be like, that's weird. Like, that's a weird choice to just abruptly change the race of a character. But I'm like, it's the movies. Who who cares? You know what I mean? Like, this is their place. Let them ex- let them do the stuff they couldn't do because they wrote the comic in the 60s. Yeah. And they would have never been able to make him have a, a you know, a non-white love interest. Like, why not? What's it matter? And that's where I don't get it is it's like the movies are just they're movies. They're just based on the characters right there with you, because that's the kind of thing that bothers me is people are always saying, you know, oh, why? Why keep, you know, race swapping characters? Why not just make a new character that's, you know, that's a Pakistani hero or like a black hero or whatever it is. 
Um, the problem with that is is that making a new hero is incredibly hard. Yeah. And not that you shouldn't try to invent new content. Good God, don't stop trying to invent new content. Yeah, no, definitely. But I do understand. Like, it's I, my difficult. problem is, like, yeah, sometimes it, it does not work out very well. Like, when they, they got rid of Captain America and then made the Falcon Captain America, like, it just didn't make any sense. And then he came back and he's just not Captain America, but he still wears the costume. So you're yeah. like... Why the fuck did you even do it? If he's if he was just going to eventually become Captain America again, was it really worth that year's worth of poor sales? There's a bad way to do it too, and there's, there's terrible ways to do it, and I think there's good ways to do it. Uh, I think the Miles Morales is a fantastic example of how to do yeah, it. Yeah, Miles Morales. I think Miss Marvel. That comic is oh, done yeah. is it's done surprisingly well. Considering up, yeah. it, it was a female, you know, Marvel's been doing a lot of new female lead comics, and that one's done well. It has a great creative team, and that works. But that's because. It works there because that character, the mantle's always changing. But in the sense of the movies, I don't get why anybody's ups- like. It would be weird. I get you. Like if they changed, like I mean, from like a story standpoint, it would be weird if they had made Captain America black because you'd be like, oh, in the forties, people were wicked racist. Like there's no way. Yeah, there. Been, you know, you would have been like, that's kind of, you know, yeah, Captain then, America. Yeah, that. The, the, which there's totally a whole right. there's like a, but, a whole we, story about that, which is the original Captain America is a black man, just like the the Tuskegee Airmen thing, where they like tested stuff out on black soldiers because they were like nobody cares, right? And so they tested the super soldier serum, and it ended up killing the original Captain America, who was an African American soldier. Because they didn't do it right, and he ends up dying, and they figure they perfect it, and then they give it to Steve Rogers. Shit, I want to read that one. But it's actually a great series. But it's just like, to, just to wrap up, um, on this minisode, uh, I definitely agree with your point that I, I, I think, especially in areas like films or in side stories or adaptations where you have the chance to experiment and show a different perspective on comics, it's so fucking cool. And I shot at different shit like this. And so, I think it's great that they it. do it because I go to comic book shows all the time. You know, I, I set up there, I go see people, and I will talk all the time to, like, you know, people who show up, and African Americans are just psyched when they put a, a non-white character in one of those movies. And as a white person, it never occurs to me, and it, it's probably because I am white, that I, like, the race of a person never occurs to me when I'm watching a movie, unless it's, like, you know, diegetic to the, the plot, you know, like... You know what I mean? Like, if, yeah. if a film's about racism, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. But if it's just a movie and some of the cast happens to be Latino or Asian, it's just like, all right, they're Latino or Asian people, just like I run into Latino or Asian people in the real world. But I guess it's because I'm white. You know what I mean? I, I don't notice it because everything's made for me. And they get excited. I'm like, that is awesome. It finally gives them something to like in a, you know, in these films. And who gives a shit if Mary Jane, if they changed Mary Jane's race? Yeah. It just seems, of all the things to be pissy about, I'm just like, I'm still looking forward to a great Spider-Man movie. Yeah, and for all of you that haven't turned the podcast off at this point, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. Like, um, I, I recall reading a story uh, uh, from someone who uh, went to see Guardians of the Galaxy with their younger brother, who was on the autism spectrum, and whether this was intentional or not, but the film, the way it came out is he came out of the movie and he was fucking psyched off his ass about uh, Drax. Is it Drax, right? Yeah, because he doesn't know how to react to... Right, he reacts, like, super literally to everything and is super, like, like uh, doesn't know how to, like, speak with other people with with idioms and with... with, with yeah, like, he does not understand social cues at all. Yeah, and so he was like, that's just like me. Like, uh, it's just kind of the way I am. And it could be a made-up story. I don't give a fuck. But the point is, is that there's these times where you're... <laughs> You're, you're forced to show up to a movie and just like watch another, you know, 
dude avatar, a white dude avatar doing cool gun shit. And when someone shows up who resembles you in any personality, gender, or race way, that's fucking cool. It's something to latch on to. So I it fucking encourage the hell out of it. Because I've got my fair share as a white dude. I got plenty. I know, and yeah, and that's <laughs> what I don't get is as a white person, I'm like, why are you pissed? Yeah, I got so Everything much. up until like the last 15 years was made specifically for us. Like, it's only been in recent years they're like, I guess we can just try to help the other demographics yeah yeah i've been i've been kind of uh, i've been appreciating the 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 protagonists that fit my aesthetic and gender and 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 race uh since i think oh oh uh since when art was invented (laughs) yeah since since we created the moving picture (laughs) i think we've got a good a good run to let a few a few uh yeah i think i'm all right for For one Black Mary Jane. I'll let it ride, guys. <laughs> for I don't know. We'll just we'll call that even for the sixties. And uh, with that with that uh well, social political thing. I do <laughs> want to bring up this. This is yeah. on an entirely different note. Uh one last piece of news. I would just suggest anybody out there go look it up. DC is doing a new animated Batman movie where it is the return of the Cape Crusader. They got Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar back to do the voices of Batman, Robin, and Catwoman, respectively. It's set in the old Batman TV show world, but it's all animated. It looks just ridiculous as humanly possible, written in that same ridiculous style. So I would go check out the trailer. It's pretty funny. I'm sure it'll be a worthwhile film to watch. He's fantastic. So there you go. There's your homework. Actually, your real homework is to watch Spider-Man 2. It is not available on Netflix streaming, but you can rent it from Amazon Video. Uh, you can also buy it on DVD for super cheap if you're. And I would, I would actually recommend it. You can get it for, you can buy a DVD version for as much as you can rent it. So I would recommend if you got the time to get it here before the podcast, I'd buy it. It's a good movie. Do it. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week. You can hop on Facebook.com slash NAOSpod. Leave us comments, questions, corrections. We'll read them on next week's pod or the week after that's mini episode. Uh, or if you want to preload a question for us to talk about on next week's podcast with the Spider-Man episode, knock yourselves out. You can follow us on Twitter at NAOSpod. You can follow Ben at The Disco Pony. The Disco Pony. And you can follow my Instagram at its pokes. I actually started posting some more art this week, so there'll be some more stuff I got done. So you can check that out. And until then, we'll see you next week.